how did I choose the teaching profession? I want to do nothing and surf all the time. I'm surfing all the time. I, I have plenty of money. So this was begins my life of starting to build a life that says, I want to say yes to things. The housing recession put my company in serious financial risk. And this was the turning point in my life. On this episode of Mission Daily, we're going to teach you how to say yes to everything that you want, no matter where you start from. My name is Albert Chow. I'm host of Mission Daily. Listen, you've seen me on the show before with Stephanie Postles, and I wanted to share a little bit about my life, which I've been told is kind of unique. Uh, so real quick, I want to say yes to everything that I enjoy. So when I what do I enjoy? I've mentioned, I mentioned serving all the time. It is absolutely my favorite thing to do. I think everyone knows that the world's best waves are in super remote places, which require big flights, long distances, time off. Like it requires a lot. And I have three kids. I have a wife at home. I got a home. I got a dog. I still go. I go every single year for a few weeks at a time to the most remote locations. It's taken me some of the best places on earth. Now I've been doing this since I was 24 years old, I do it at least once a year, and I've never really made that much money. In fact, I think prior to, like, I'll just start. My first job out of school, I was a, well, I guess I was a waiter. I was a waiter first, but then I became a school teacher. And at the time, in Orange County, Florida, which is Orlando, I made $30,000 a year. I was still going on these surf trips. So this whole episode is about how to build a life of yes, even if you don't make that much money or you're not famous or you're not a content guru or influencer. Like when I see those people give uh, lessons, I'm like, you play by a different set of rules. Uh, obviously, if you're super wealthy, you play by a completely, <laughs> completely different set of rules, right? Or if you have a huge audience, you can generate income, outsized income relative to your skill uh, because you're popular. I'm all for it, but I don't play by those rules. In fact, I begrudgingly became a podcast host. I wasn't even supposed to do this. I was start hired to work back of house stuff. And when things got bad, they were like, hey, we need another host. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of share a little bit about how you can say yes to just about everything. And it's a it's it's based off of a premise I live my life. So I learned a long time ago that I wanted the ability to say yes. I call it option, optionality, but let's just say yes. I want to be able to say yes to things. One of the things I wanted to say yes to the most when I was younger was not working. Literally, like that was my number one objective is I was like, I don't really want to work that hard. I think everyone knows when you have resource constrained, resource constrained is going to be money, right? Money, it's usually money. It's also going to be time. But I think for the modern world, money is really the biggest access tool, right? If you, the more money you have, the more you can say yes to because uh, you don't have to worry about the downside. Typically, people say no to things because A, they don't have money. B, they don't have time. But they usually don't have time because they don't have any money. Um, that's usually the reason, right? Like you, that's usually the reason because if you have money, you can typically hire help. It creates time. So how to say yes to just about everything. This is what this episode's about. When I was younger, I really thought to myself, hey, I just kind of don't want to live a traditional life. Like it was literally my goal to surf all the time, ride motorcycles and not work. Like those were my, th in that, at that moment in time, if you would ask me like, those were my three most important things. The other thing I learned in 
and I figured out for myself is I didn't want a traditional job. Like the idea of seeing my dad wear a suit, begrudgingly go to work every single day, and my mom getting up super early. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, so the commute times in D.C. have always been long. So I remember growing up seeing my parents, like they were out the door before I woke up, they came back late, and they were just always tired, and I felt like their lives looked like they had zero fun. And I just really thought to myself as a teenager, like that can't be the way life is. And so even as a teenager, I started gravitating towards, well, how do you make money doing something else besides that? And so that's where I met my friend, Bartley McGowan. Bartley, super smart guy. He's currently, I believe, a nurse. Um, but at the time, he ran this company called Two Hep Productions, and he was throwing concerts in the D.C. metro area. And I was like, man, how was a freaking 15, 16-year-old kid doing that? So Two Hep was throwing like all the ska concerts, ska and punk rock concerts in the D.C. metro area before ska and punk rock became huge. When Mighty Mighty Boston's got like the title song in Clueless, ska like blew up, right? And so he was selling out shows, making a couple grand like every night at like 16 years old. And so I was like, man, how do I do that? So I basically decided from this point forward, I will work my ass off in the realms of the things I care about the most so that I can learn as much as I can so that I can start taking more vacation. I literally, that was like my, like that was how I thought as a young kid. I was like, man, when I get older, I just don't want to work corporate jobs. I want to go surfing all the time. I'm wrong and ride motorcycles. And that's it. This was my only three goals. So I meet Bartley. And I see that you can make quite a bit of money doing what I would call non-traditional things at the time. It was just like a, a lot of sex appeal to me as a teenager. Like, man, this is punk rock. This is cool. And this is, of course, pre-YouTube. Like, you, The internet doesn't really exist at this point, right? Like, I, I was raised when the internet was just emerging. Like, You couldn't even look at a bikini model without waiting for like 30 minutes to wait for the screen to load. You know, like my dad was on free AOL um, dial-up internet which I believe was 56 kilobytes per second. So like you can just imagine how long it took to see like a girl in a bikini. Like it took forever. <laughs> it took forever, right? <laughs> For all the oldies out there, you guys know what I'm talking about. So that's how it got started. When I was in college, I also said, man, my number one thing I want to say yes to is literally not working. Like, And I don't know why that was such a big thing to me, but I was like, I just don't want to work. Um, don't want to work that hard. I'm not interested in it. I think it looks stupid. I don't want to do it all the time. So in order to, what I learned is in order to be able to say yes to more things, you also had to say yes to the alternatives. So which meant if you weren't going to work, like I always knew money was going to be part of my life. So if you weren't going to work in a traditional job, then you have to figure out a way to make money elsewhere. If you want to not make that much money and have a life of yes, you're going to have to say no to something. And so there was like a level of prioritization I started going through in my mind. Like, what do I need? What do I not need? What can I say no to? And by developing, I guess, a little bit of tolerance, and this is for everyone out there, a tolerance to get rid of the things that you don't actually need, you will be better off. And I think Ramit Sethi, he does, uh, I'll show you how to be rich on Netflix. He kind of talks about the same thing. Uh, so I un unknowingly was doing this as, as a 20 year old. I'll give you some examples. My senior year, I didn't have a bedroom. I lived in a three-bedroom apartment with four guys, and I lived in the living room. I, I put a, uh, I put a mattress on the floor, and that was my room. And I did that because I didn't want to pay rent. I lived in a bus driver house one year. 
that was an absolute pig of a place. But I sacrificed that because I didn't have enough money to buy a nicer place. I would take the budget my parents gave me, which they did give me something. So um, I don't want to say I, I did this all on my own. I mean, my parents had a budget for me. It was $500 a month. $500 a month was what I was allowed to spend on food and living. That's how much they would provide me. Any difference, I had to have a job. So I taught myself, basically, if my ability to say no to some of the things I didn't think were important, like living, <laughs> like I literally didn't think living was that important, then I can say yes to the other stuff I was interested in. So that's what I did. And so I, I did that all the way through my college years, and that led to my first job out of college. I mentioned I was a waiter, but that was just because I was needed to do something before I became a teacher. So I was going to be a teacher. How did I choose the teaching profession? Number one, you didn't really have to have the good at grades. And my grades sucked. Okay. So I figured this would be how I'll get started. I'm going to be a teacher. And what is my number one goal? I want to do nothing and surf all the time. To me, a teacher worked the least. Like they didn't seem to seemingly work that much. To me, I measured work by total time not by like hours in a day, just total time. Um, and I said, okay, well, they only work nine to 10 months a year. This is fantastic. Like, and I don't have to have good grades. This is fantastic, but they don't make a lot of money. Okay, so how do I live a life that allows me to say yes to that? And how I came to, the, what I came to the conclusion is, pretty simple, which I think a lot of millennials say no, they don't live this way, is I said, well, then I need roommates. And so I found random roommates, and I think it's easier as a guy, but I found random roommates in Orlando, Florida. We split an apartment. Now I'm already used to living without furniture. I'm already used to living without my own private space. I make a deal. So now my rent is $300 a month. Now, if you're a teacher at $30,000 a year and you do the math, you get you could choose to get paid on a 12-month term or a 10-month term. I chose the 10-month because I said to myself, hey, I'll probably do something else while I'm on vacation or something like that. So I was making $3,000 a month net. That was the total pay, right? <laughs> and so I think I took home like 22. Like my take home was 22. But only 300 went to rent. So I was like, man, I feel rich. <laughs> like I legit felt like I had endless money. And that was the start of how I started living. Because again, my number one hobby doesn't require money. Surfing doesn't require, it doesn't require too much money. Going on the trip requires money, but on a daily basis, I could go to Cocoa Beach or Satellite Beach every weekend, right? I made sure I could work, uh, say yes to the weekends. Every weekend, I could go to the beach. It was about 60 miles away. So that's not that much gas. In fact, I that's how I chose my car. I chose my car based on how much gas mileage it could get. I had a Scion. Remember those Scion cars? Those like little, like little, like they called it the toaster. I called it the toaster. It was an ugly car. Everyone made fun of me. So you look like such a loser driving this car. I'm like, I don't care. It was 16 grand out the door. Like, think about that. Brand new, 16 grand. And they had special financing for teachers, like jackpot. So I was driving a Scion XB, 16 grand back and forth to the beach because that's what I wanted to do. My hobby didn't really, I felt, I mean, I felt great. I was like, man, I'm surfing all the time. I, I have plenty of money. I spend way less than I actually have. I felt like, man, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. So this was, begins my life of starting to build a life that says, I want to say yes to things. Then, So where my income started to transform was actually unintentional. I would say it's unintentional. Um, what happened was, 
my wife, she eventually, she would pass the bar for North Carolina. She went to Wake Forest Law. She passes the bar in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And I don't, excuse me, Wake Forest, which is actually Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is, I live in Wake Forest. It's confusing. You can look it up if you want. <laughs> All right. So my wife passes the bar in North Carolina and she asked like, you know, we're then girl, boyfriend, girlfriend. We're about to get married. She says, where do you want to live? Where do you want to start your life? I was like, I don't know. And so we choose to move to Raleigh, North Carolina, because it's got the most amount of jobs, most likely chance of working, and it's closest to the beach. In fact, we actually tried making a run at it in the Outer Banks, but she was never able to get work there. I was able to get work there. She was never able to get work there. Um, and so we chose Raleigh, North Carolina. So Raleigh is where we start our lives. Again, beach, number one option, right? So how do I get to the beach more often when I don't make a lot of money? Well, I have to have low expenses. So I think this is a decision that a lot of people get presented. Um, and, I, and we were fortunate. Her father had saved up enough money for a wedding. So a wedding, we could have a wedding. Or we could choose to just have it and put it towards our first house. This was an easy, no-brainer decision to me. So I was super stoked to find out I married someone who thought just like this. We didn't have a big wedding. The only people invited to my wedding were my brother, my mom, and my grandma. The only people on her side were her brother, his then wife, and her parents. And that's it. It's the only people that attended the wedding. The whole wedding, I don't know what the price tag was, but it was way less than any wedding that you've been to with more than 10 people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we take that money and we get a townhouse. And we and so again, I'm always thinking to myself, how do I go to the beach more often? Well, I have to keep my expenses down. But I also know I eventually want money. I recognize money is part of the equation. So we choose to buy a townhouse in the best part of town, which is Cary, North Carolina, and we make that decision right there. It allows our monthly mortgage to be $900 because of this. A $900 mortgage, even back in 2006, was preposterously low. Like, I don't think anyone can comprehend how low that was. Like, when you hear people hear that, like, what? But we weren't making that much money. She didn't do that well in undergrad. And so even though she had a law degree, she did not actually get a law job. In fact, she was a research assistant, I think a paralegal. It's like a paralegal, but she wasn't a paralegal, making what netted out to $20,000 a year at the time. I had a job that paid me forty, So we had a combined $60,000 house income and a $900 mortgage. But it made life immeasurably easy because we did the math and realized we could be waiters or we could do just about anything in hourly jobs and we would have enough money to pay our mortgage. So this seemed like a good bet. And so we did it. Again, all with the goal of we want to go to the beach way more often. And we would. We would go to the beach every weekend if we could because it was just a drive away. Wrightsville Beach to Raleigh is 120 miles away. Uh, so, to, you know, if, if you have a sign on XB, that, <laughs> that's four gallons of gas. You know, even at today's prices, that's 12 bucks to get there. That's, that's good. Super good, right? $12 or I guess $24 round trip to have a great day. Primo, right? And so this is how we thought about every decision that we made. Now, eventually money becomes a bigger part of my life because unbeknownst, unplanned, and we tell our son all the time he's a whoopsie baby, but hey, it happens. Whoops, we find out we're having a baby. So <laughs> I make $40,000 a year. She makes $20,000 a year. It's time to grow up really, really fast. It was the first time in my life I had a responsibility other than going to the beach. <laughs> but then I started thinking back to my life about like my parents, like, hey, 
what um what did what did my parents how did my parents live and did I want to live like that and I always felt like they had no options I felt like they always had to work because we were always barely scraping by and kind of just making ends meet my parents constantly complained about money we literally had no fun like my parent like going on vacation was like not a thing growing up uh Christmas presents but like and and then what's weird is like my dad specifically my dad he seemingly had zero fun like never had fun doing anything and I couldn't stand that and so the thought of raising my kids that way was just nightmares to me so I wanted to be able to say yes to I didn't know what he or she would want to do all we know right now is I'm 27 years old my wife is now pregnant she doesn't really have a job she's 20 six <laughs> you like how i know her birthday yeah she oh, she's 27 too uh <laughs> anyways she's 27 as well we're you know a few months apart um she's 27 as well she doesn't really have a good career i kind of have a job whatever <laughs> and so we're like all right time to grow up at the same time this is 2007 so we now you know that even though we paid 900 dollars for our house we overpaid because this was at the peak of the housing run-up by 2008, the housing crisis comes full circle. Our house plummets in value. We Jobs are being lost everywhere. But because we had made the choice to say yes to the beach, which meant we had to say also yes. You can frame it, I guess, perspective. Say yes to a low cost of living. We were one of the few people, I think, during the housing crisis, even though we grossly overpaid for our house, even though our house dropped by like you know 20% of value. We weren't even stressed. Why? Go back to the number. $900 a month is all we had to come up with to pay for our house. That's not a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like if you think this, all of our life is based on this, a couple decisions that have made it easy to do other things. Because we had a low mortgage, it allowed me to, allowed us to be very thoughtful and meticulous now in what we're going to do next. She chose to get her degree in um, accounting because she saw that accounting jobs are always open and looking back in hindsight she picked it for the right she you know she wanted demand she's like i need a huge demand for a job and the number of people that enter accounting each year continues to decline in fact it's one of the fastest declining majors out there and every business needs accounting so if you want a guaranteed job go into accounting um it might not be fun <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say she has fun but she did it for me, I joined a tech, I was working at a tech startup. It wasn't a tech startup, it was a tech consultancy that taught people how to use software. So I used my education skills and some tech skills that I got um, and I was able to parlay it into this gig. This company wasn't that great and <laughs> they didn't really have good options to hire, so they had to hire me. So I took advantage of their lack of options to increase my optionality. So I really thought about, well, then I want to learn as many skills as I can so that I can then say yes to whatever else is out there. I wanted to say yes to a higher paying job and I wanted them to say yes to me. So I dove in and I've really taught myself everything there was to know at the time about Oracle. Um, there's another product that Oracle makes called UPK, a then product called PeopleSoft, which was bought by Oracle, but they only had a couple specialties and I really dove in and learned all these products. The housing recession put my company in serious financial risk. And this was the turning point in my life. The boss basically was going to shut it down. Uh, he had a million dollars in the bank. He had an easy option to just be like, hey, this is a services company. 
all I have is payroll. If I want to just keep a million bucks, I just fire everybody, close the business, take a million dollars out, I'm set. He gave me and Jordan Collard, the Wolf of Tahoe, who is now one of like the managing partners or whatever, Raboyo, um, and out. He said, this is how you guys can keep your jobs. You guys have to figure out a way to sell and serve customers without any help. <laughs> and you get you get the ultimatums like, hey, you can if you do this, I'll keep the lights on. If you don't, I'll just turn it off. This was the most transformational moment. At the same time, uh, I met Jamie Blackburn, who was there. And Jamie was like the probably the CEO, VP of Ops kind of guy. And he also saw, I guess, potential in me. And so they so they make some bets. And they said, you can do this. And so we start building the company up. And it starts generating more sales. We're generating more customers. And things are going great. Getting bigger projects. I'm being asked to be named to projects. Um, and at this point I'm working like a dog. Now I chose to do this because I was like, Hey, I got, I'm going to have to push surfing off for a little bit because I need, I need a way to generate more income. And I knew that the way I would generate more income is I had to have more skills. I was like, I'm going to get as many skills as possible. Like I was working all the time, all the time, just constantly learning shit that I didn't want to learn, <laughs> but I did want to learn it because I wanted the skill to say I could, could do it. When I found out from some of my counterparts, so one of the this was like the big eye opener. I was working on this project called Oracle CCMB, customer care and billing. They sell it into utility companies. I asked one of the consult, and I was in charge of hiring the consultants. And I could see like, I'm hiring these people at $150 an hour. Okay, I make $50,000 a year. I was like, wait a second. If I learn CCMB, like they know, now I know my income potential goes to $150 an hour. So I dove in. In fact, I eventually know more than the actual SMEs that they hired. Uh, SME means subject matter expert. I know more than the SMEs making $150 an hour. So I looked at this like I'm stacking skills on my ability so I can earn income. So I keep doing this. And then this is also the rise of the tech windfall. Facebook, IPOs, Twitter comes to market. You're starting to see tech companies rise super fast. And I'm like, man, the real way to make money is you have to have an ownership stake. So I go to my boss and ask him for an ownership stake, to which he says no. He, he simply says, no, I'm not doing that. You know, I built this company or I bought this company and this is my company and you're not, you're not a part of it. But now I have the confidence because I'm, I'm doing all these projects. I'm doing good work for a lot of people. And I start realizing the power of network. The power of network gives you tremendous options. And I work, I work by chance. I saw I so here we go. I want to start my own company. So I start this dog toy company called Dog Nasty. I throw out this ad on Craigslist for a logo. I meet a logo designer. That logo designer literally works next door to me. Who had it, which I did not know. He works at a company called Contrast Creative. His name is Travis Lewis. He's now the director of UX at Carfax. Killing it. But at the time, he was just a guy over at Contrast Creative and Agency. And I was like, wait a second, you work next door? He's like, yeah, I work next door. I was like, I think we actually work together already on projects. Like the company I worked at worked with Contrast Creative on other customer on other customers because we made a uh, member tech uh, training for enterprise technology. So we become friends. He then goes off to do a startup called Xbeyond. And I remember I, so now I, I'm, so now fast forward, we've helped this company grow. I've done a good job. 
I now have a lot of skills. I feel like I have marketplace. I feel like I should be able to ask for equity. I asked for equity. It's not given to me. So I turned to Travis and I said, hey, what are you doing? And he says, funny, you should ask. I'm working in a software company. The owner sold his last company for $90 million. He thinks this is going to be bigger. He's looking for more people. He wants people to teach people how to use this software. I think you'd be a good fit. And so this is where my life, like that, th that, that moment, looking back on that moment in 2008 when my boss gave me that opportunity, it was probably the greatest gift I've ever gotten because he, I had no right to learn any of this stuff. He had no options because he had no one that knew this information and could learn it fast enough. So by default, he had nobody. And I was, and I, I desperately needed something and it worked. It worked like magic. And so there you go. I get the skills. He gets the job fulfilled. Now I have the skills. I build a network. Now it's my turn to call on my network to do something for me. And now my options go tenfold. And I, but I choose, I choose the software startup in that would in Xpion eventually sells to a company called Sysmos. Uh, it sold for 15, it was $45 million, $15 million in cash, 30 million in stock. Um, and from there, things just kept getting better for me. Right. So we, we get acquired there. I step away cause I love startups. I start doing startups and I start seeing my life transform because now that I have the toolkit that I can say yes to, I, I figured out basically I know how to make money just about anywhere. Like that was, that was, that was forever game changing. And then I start helping other people do it. Um, I just do it for free just cause I like it. And then if we fast forward to where I'm at today, now I'm 43 years old. I am part of mission. I'm also part of diesel Jack. how did I get part of diesel Jack? Same story. I helped Nick out previously. That's it. I helped Nick out. He remembered me. He wanted to start an agency. And he's like, you're my guy. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And I told him, I'll only do it under one condition. And he said, what's that? He's like, I'm not work. I'm only working 11 months a year tops. <laughs> and he said, he said, yes. <laughs> and I told him I'm not coming in every day either. He also said yes. And so because I had built a little bit of a reputation for myself of being delivering, I would say way more than my wage. I became valuable to like everyone around me. And so you, a lot of people probably, you get paid less than what you're worth. Like, I don't know. I think I get paid great because I get to say yes to all the things I want to say yes to. So I'm in a place now where I generate more income than I need to live. I can say yes to all my kids activities, which I, which again, that was one of my goals when I found out that I was going to have a kid. I was like, I didn't want to be like my dad, never having fun, never doing anything. He never came to any of my games. Like he didn't do any of that stuff. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to participate. I'm not going to spectate. I'm going to do more than spectate. I'm going to participate. I'm going to actually play ball. I'm going to be in the yard kicking the soccer ball. I'm going to say yes to whatever it is they say yes to, and I don't want to ever say no. I mean, of course, I might say no to some things, but like, for example, do I have to buy the top line pair of ice skates? No, they're $1,000, but I can still get you ice skates done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted to be able to say yes to just about everything. So now... My kid wants to play hockey, which is the most expensive sport, unfortunately. Didn't flinch. Yes, let's do it. And this is all based off of just a simple concept, which I understood then, but I didn't realize how important it would be for me now, which is I wanted the ability to say yes. In order to say yes to that, I've built my whole life. Like, and this is only in retrospect. I've built my whole life on trying to figure out a way to say yes to just about everything, including 
myself, the number one thing I want for myself is still surfing. And so that's how at 43, and I don't know anyone else like this. That's, I mean, people are super rich or like this, but, but, uh, I still do it. Still go on a surfing trip every year, go away for two, three weeks, sometimes four remote locations, surf waves. The way I'm able to say yes to this is we, uh, you know, I, I my family and I are fortunate enough we can send our kids to sleepaway camp. <laughs> so they go to sleepaway camp. I go surfing. Unfortunately for my wife, so people are like, do you bring your wife? No, I don't, which makes it easier for me to go. Um, I go during her busy season. She's in tax. So she has a busy season where she absolutely has to work like, uh, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week. So while she's slaving away working, I'm surfing and the kids are at camp. But this is our life. We say yes to other things too, but it's all based off that one concept of the only way to say yes to th like to build a life of yes. That was like my number one goal. I had knew I had to have options. The only way to have options is you have to have ability to generate income and ge create time. Like you have, those two things are usually synonymous, but that's what I've dedicated my life to. And I think, I think people would be happier if they did it. I really do. Because when I talk to my peers who feel like they're trapped in a job, trapped in a house, trapped in, they always feel trapped. Like there's always like these traps that people get upset by. I generally don't participate in those conversations because I don't have those traps. Like I'm one of the only people I know of, like if my, if any one of my companies were to tell me, hey, I can't work there anymore, I wouldn't flinch. And I think that's a, it's a cool, it's an interesting place to be. Not as successful as other people, by no means am I rich. My highest earning year ever was probably $200,000. So it's not like I've been making consistently two hundred. Like that's my highest ever, but probably average. I mean, when I left, when I left XBion, which was acquired by Sysmos, my salary was $125,000 a year plus bonuses. And I immediately went to a job that paid $70,000 a year but I was the only income earner at the time. I've so I've always been able to say yes to the things I'm most interested in learning. Um, that company was called Ad Shoppers. Yeah, it was $72,000 a year was what I got paid, and I supported a family of five on that. And I've always, you know, at that point, that got to a place that was really exciting. I've met some great people, and all my jobs are based on that, that simple concept of always doing, delivering more than, I'm actually being paid. I remember actually this funny thing. Um, they had, uh, I could see the salaries. I could see the salaries of all the sales reps. And I remember telling my boss, then Peter, I was like, why am I the highest paid? And then he said, well, you're the best one. And I said, lower me. I made sure there was at least 10 guys higher than me. He said, why did you just do that? I was like, because now no one's going to ask me for shit. <laughs> because I'm delivering way over my quota to salary ratio. And he goes, don't you want the money? I'm like, mm, not really. <laughs> I legit don't, just don't want to be bothered. I was just going to do my job, do my thing. Like, don't call me after hours. You know, there's a last minute meeting with a customer. Like, I'm not the guy. I don't want to get on that plane. Talk to somebody else. <laughs> and that's just how I've been ever since then. And uh, I don't know if I did the right thing, but Damn, if I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Tell me how you want to say, how would you build a life to say yes? If, if you've already done it, hell yeah. If you're just starting out, 
Tell me how you'd go about approaching it because in general, you're going to need both. You're going to need to be able, be able to generate income, of course, and you're going to have to be able to generate time. And a lot of times income is a trap. Most people don't create time even though they create income. And that's unfortunate. So yes, I've shared a lot about myself just in just the last hour. And this whole episode is about this idea of being able to say yes to all the things that you want. I call it optionality to make it simple, but more kicker, more fun is how to say yes to all the stuff that you want. And I think it boils down to just three major things. And if I could share anything, this is what I'd share. Before I get into that, Literally, remember, I said my original goals when I was younger was to surf and do nothing or as little as possible. I've replaced some of those things. Like, I don't think of doing little as possible, although it's kind of still in the back of my mind that I want to do nothing. I know that's not true because I spend all my time doing something pretty much now. But surfing's never changed. And then I added family. I didn't realize how important family was going to be to me. Uh, So that wasn't a primary goal of mine when I was younger. But now that I have kids, it is a primary goal. But we'll use surfing in them as a good benchmark because to do those things, you need time and you need income. So this is what I would say is how you get to a place in your life when you can say yes to more of the things that you want um, and not be burdened by something else. So the first thing I'd say is you need, no matter where you are today, you need to be valuable to a valuable network. And I think that is extremely important. Let me repeat. You need to be valuable to a valuable network. It doesn't help if you have skills that nobody wants to pay for. It doesn't help that you have knowledge to people that don't want to pay for that knowledge. You know what I mean? You need to be valuable to a valuable network, meaning there has to be a group of people that really want said skill in some level of abundance that makes you super valuable. So, about I was thinking about this recently, actually, uh, like appliance repair, because I just recently fixed a refrigerator. That is super valuable. I know because I've had to pay people to pay, fix appliances. The reason why I chose to fix the appliance myself was because I saw the quotes and costs. It was really expensive. So some, it doesn't have to be, in my case, technology. It can be, um, it can be a trade. It can be a skill. But you need to have something that a lot of people want. Because if you have something that a lot of people want, you will always be able to work. Even if you don't want to start your own business. You know what I mean? Like if you are exceptional at whatever it is you do and there's a lot of people that have money or have jobs that want that skill, that makes you infinitely valuable. It gives you infinite optionality because you can work and do those trades anywhere. All right? So I would say you need to be valuable to a valuable network. The next one. You need to have as few financial obligations or time obligations as possible. They might as well both be the same, finance and time. So this is something that I think about all the time is people saddle themselves with debt, fancy car payments, fancy big house payments, pool payments. They cash out refi to upfit their house. They tell themselves, hey, I can get the equity out later. It's like, man, later never comes because the next 10 years you have a crappy payment that you have to deal with. I say no to any financial obligation. I just don't want it. It doesn't help my life. If it doesn't help my life, I don't want it. Have Have I ever financed a vacation? No. I figure out a way to fit, fit it with what I got. This is significantly 
one of the biggest missteps I think people make when I watch them from afar. I just recently had someone complain to me about, cause I was, they were asking where is my surf trip going to be this year? I said, I don't know. I'm thinking about going to the Philippines. Like, man, how are you going to go to the Philippines? And then, and then I said, well, I'm not just going to the Philippines cause I might add Nicaragua to it. Like I literally might go surf in the Philippines for a little bit, go surf in Nicaragua for a little bit and come back. They asked me, how am I going to do that? And I told them how much money it takes to do this. It's not as much as you would think. But this person just bought a brand new M3 or whatever, BMW. I'm like, dude, why don't you love that car? Do you love that car? Like, you don't seem to love that car. You seem to always want to do something else. But you have this car that you're still paying for. So I don't understand. So don't saddle yourself for any financial or time obligation that you do not want. I say no to them as often as possible. I recognize that there might be a little short-term sacrifice for time specifically, if you're trying to build your valuable skill to a valuable network, I think that's okay because that'll pay off in spades later on. But for the long term, like a mortgage, like a living in a place you can't afford, having cars you can't afford, get rid of that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's important. So now that you're valuable to a valuable network and now you have as few financial time obligations as possible, now you have opened the door. And I would say this. It's easy for me because I legit don't like anything else, <laughs> but I would only say yes to the things that you absolutely want to say yes to. I, I don't know how many people do things for the sake of doing them that they don't actually want to do. Like I hear people, like when I hear about adults complaining, like this is what they're complaining about. Like they're complaining about self-created problems, problems that don't actually exist. Like they put it on themselves. And I just think to myself, like, why are you wasting your time? Why don't you relentlessly focus on the things that you enjoy or want to enjoy or want to invest in and then spend your time and energy doing that? Because anything you add that's outside of those things is probably going to make you somewhat less happy. And so those are like the simple three things I would say that anyone can do to live a life where you can say yes to more of the things you want to say yes to. Tell me what you think. If you're out there listening and you want to and you like this advice or you want to learn more, why don't you click that subscribe button? It might be a follow button. It might be a plus button. I don't know what actually button it is because I don't know what platform you're listening on. But there's a way to follow Mission Daily. Follow us every week as we go over business, life, and share what we're experiencing. Uh, I won't say that we have all the answers, but we like talking about how we're attempting to find them. See you soon.